everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And we are a happily, happily married couple. couple with four kids, ages 10 to 2. Um, and <laughs> this week, I don't even know where to go from there. We're not happily married. I'm out of, no, that's what you said You're last week. You're out of week. things. So if this is your first time joining us, thank you for joining us. We're super excited to have you here. Um, we tend to have really off-the-cuff conversations. Molly likes to bring her notebook down with all sorts of things she's thought about all week, and then she likes to talk to me about them, and we never discuss these things ahead of time. So they range from... Uh, from Kids stuff. Kids to sex to critical race theory to... World events. World events. Rarely do we touch on politics. We really don't do a... We do sometimes. Politics touches on us, because you can't get away from it. So we touch on it because it touches us, which sounds creepy when you put it like that. I like it when Joe Biden touches me. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Let's not go there. Creepy. So this week, Titus and I tomorrow are headed to Laramie, Wyoming to get a school bus. Molly's dad um, bought. He re- First of all, Molly's dad retired. <laughs> That's a key point here. <laughs> he bought his nephew's school bus. Uh, his grandnephew. Grandnephew. Yeah. Uh, said grandnephew bought it back when he started learning to drive through a connection of his mother and decided it would be a great idea when he graduated high school to move to Laramie, Wyoming in with his Uncle Bob. Great Uncle Bob. Grandpa. Grandpa, his grandfather. Ooh, yeah, man, we're getting old. Uh, his grandfather, and his grandfather would teach him how to renovate a bus into a schoolie. And then he got out there and pulled out the seats and said, I don't want to do this. <laughs> he also grew out of that phase. He had it for like four years. Right. Five years, maybe. Before he got to it, yeah. No, he spent the first summer that he, he and bought then, it working And then your dad, so I think he bought it for like... 600 bucks or something. It was a dad, decommissioned, decommissioned school bus. School bus and then your dad offered him 900. <laughs> He's like, sold. Yeah, not only do I not have to worry about this, I'm making money on the deal. So Titus and I are joining my our buddy Ty and Molly's dad to drive down to Laramie tomorrow to bring this, to drive this uh, 2006 Bluebird. It's like a 22 foot school bus back, and we're going to pull it into, I don't know where we're going to park it, but it's going to be a. Uh, it's going to be a renovation project. So next summer should be really exciting. Not only will I have a Spartan, but I'll probably Which be building... Which is a 36-foot long, basically mobile home yeah. that is completely gutted yes. to the point now where you it's just metal on the floor. Close. I've got just less than half to gut the floor. It's a 1954 oh. Spartan Royal Mansion. Google it. You'll be like, whoa. Um, so I've got that project. Then it sounds like I was talking to my dad, and he's retiring, and they're going to move here and build a, build an apartment above our garage. So we're going to be building that. Plus, we need to build the shop at the same time. For the Spartan. And we're building, you know, we might even start renovating this school bus. So um, I'm going to start uh, JR's renovation company, and it's going to be awesome. I'm taking all of your commissions. If you've got an old trailer, I'll rip out the floor and rebuild it. <laughs> I feel like you should wait and see how the first one turns out before you actually, start offering that this service. Is, I'll rip out the floor and then I'll give up because I don't like doing it. No, I'm actually really enjoying it. It's really weird. I'm kind of like I was over. Uh, I went to Napa today to get. So we we have this pop up tent trailer that Molly and I bought, deciding that we didn't want to wait six years before beginning family camping adventures. So we bought this pop up trailer and I've been installing 
I know how you camp, love. So I've been installing uh, a solar system. I am a low-maintenance wife. I am not a low-maintenance camper. It's true. So I've been rerouting all of the 110 outlets to be run off of battery. So I need to put an inverter in. So I installed an inverter, but I didn't have battery lines for the inverter. I didn't have any battery lines run to where the inverter is because there was only shore power there. And then this 12-volt system came straight off the battery. So I had to go buy new lines, 40 feet of copper cable wasn't the cheapest but it's it's good stuff so uh as we can now uh have so our 110 outlets our household outlets can run off of our 100 so i can have my battery. milk frother you can have your milk frothing, frother, frothing your milk, milk for my coffee in the morning um <laughs> glamping baby so but anyway so i was buying those cables and thinking about all the electrical that's going to be going into this spartan and i got kind of excited oh, and then boy. just wanted to pull out my air needle scaler and start taking to the frame but I get to pull suspension. That'll be fun. I'm going to refinish the suspension. When you get back from Laramie, mm-hmm. uh, while you're gone, I'm hoping to finish up the cushion recovers for the pop-up. Sweet. And when you get back, you can pop it up, and I'll work on the the yeah. curtains. I need to install one more monitor. And You guys, this is, this is a period of time in JR and Molly's life where we do things we've never done before. Molly orders seven, 70 feet of zipper and reupholsters cushions, and I rip apart a vintage trailer and restore it from scratch when I have barely been able to build it's myself a actually, box. It's actually, not only is it good for us to keep stretching and growing, because if you're not stretching and growing, you're stagnating, which means you're going backwards in life. There's no, like, not going forward. You're either going forwards or going back, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. But it's also a good, I think, a good model to our kids that if we don't know how to do something, it does that doesn't stop us. We can figure it out and learn together. And what was I doing just the other day with Lily? Where I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but we can probably look up some, some YouTube tutorials and figure it out together. So that's what we. I think That's Titus has only asked me once. Like he's never really like none of the kids have, have have asked me where I learned all this or if I even know what I'm doing. They just kind of assume they do. Didn't that I know what you I'm do doing? that I think, as a kid? You I, I think Titus. Yeah, but I think Titus at one point asked me. I was doing something. He's like, "Where'd you learn how to do all this?" And I'm like, "Ah, kind of making it up as I go along." Honestly, I mean, I want to do it right. You do a lot of research thanks to the webs now. The interwebs. You know are how to do important. things. You know how to do things right. So. Uh, so I'm kind of excited about that, but yes, learning new things and should is setting an example for your kids. Um, now I'm now it's going to bug me what I was trying to do with Lily. I actually ended up taking it over because I didn't like how she was doing it. <laughs> Lily, we can learn this together. I don't like how you're doing that, so I'm going to do it better. <laughs> oh, I made. Oh, okay, you guys. So here's an update on Faith's birthday. Faith turns three next Sunday, but we have a church event, so her birthday dinner with our family is on Saturday night and I a couple weeks ago uh, we had a discussion about I don't want to buy all the things from Amazon so I ended up buying the radio flyer ziggle that I told you about off of Walmart which is not on the list of companies that it's Walmart wasn't that what'd you get off of Facebook um <laughs> so you bought two things uh-huh oh <laughs> Uh, we also discussed on that on that episode, you guys. Yeah, I think it was that, two episodes ago, not last so episode. So a couple episodes ago, I was trying, I found this radio flyer thing that is kind of like a hybrid between a plasma car and a, and a tricycle. 
and I wanted something that Faith could ride on outside. And we have a really big driveway space, and we live on a very uh, low traffic dead end, and so our kids get to ride in the in the cul-de-sac too. And so I wanted something that she could ride on. So I bought this Radio Flyer Ziggle, Ziggle, and I ended up finding it on Walmart for $50 and free shipping. And then I also, Faith wanted a Minnie Mouse birthday party. So I also found the Minnie Mouse Duplo set that I wanted to get her on Walmart. So I put those in the same order. And then I just got, you know, because stores know what you're shopping for then, I got suggested like a set of five Minnie Mouse figurines, like two inch figurines in different colored outfits. So I'm going to decorate her birthday cake with those. So that I'm still supporting Disney, but at least I'm not doing it through Amazon. I did end up, there were a couple of books that she's in love with that we get from the library. There's one about Mickey's birthday party that she has memorized from two times of having it from the library. And I could only find it used on Amazon. It seems to be out of print. So I did order a couple of things for her from Amazon. And then I decided that Elise, who is six told Faith that we needed to have Minnie Mouse ears for the birthday party. And I actually got felt and headbands from Hobby Lobby and was like, okay, I could could get these, this sort of headband from Etsy, but it's really expensive. Or I could get Amazon, like cheap ones that are being sent over from China. Or why couldn't I just make these myself? So I just used hot glue guns and showed Lily traced literally traced around a jar lid for the ear shape and showed Lily how we could work on gluing them and I think she got tired of me nitpicking like no 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 fold the ears after you get the hot glue on perfectly they have to be matched up and okay you wasted too much time and the hot glue dried so now we have to start over on this ear because you dawdled too much. So she was like, I'd rather go play outside. Can you just do this for me? But they're super cute. I'm happy with how they turned out. I only bought enough to make four. And the girls were like, well, that's not enough. That's just barely enough. What, what about grandma? And what about our friend Laura who comes? And what about mom? So I'm going to have to go back to Hobby Lobby and buy more headbands to make more So mini when we moved headbands. into this house, as Molly mentioned, we've got this cul-de-sac and this driveway. And when we moved into this house, Molly went on something of an annoying Facebook marketplace shopping spree for everything that had wheels. In anything that because had wheels. we like to have big Rideable families over, we have things. a big family. We right. like to have big families over, and Your they reasons? tear out everything in the garage and go crazy on it. Yep. Kids no. love things with wheels. I know it's great. Your reasons are wonderful. I just we have you know, a lot of things with wheels. We have a lot of things with wheels, and they fill up the garage, and they get used all the time. In fact, they get so used, <laughs> you guys, that Molly sent me a picture of a used big wheel. Do you guys remember the big wheels from back when we were kids? They and still make them. And this isn't like them. a crappy, cheap one from Tar or from Walmart. No, this is like a legit it's Radio big Flyer wheel brand. brand. Radio Flyer brands got rubber wheels and all uh, on they're the not front. Rubber, they're it had plastic. this it had this rubber pl- it had this rubber thing. traction yeah. thing on the front. Anyway, Molly sends us pictures, yes, me and uh, myself and Ty yesterday. Marshall. Marshall, uh, who got a dog. Congratulations, Marshall. Um, a dog named Stephen. Stephen, uh, with the Whiskey Bench podcast, will, 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 is the only one who's going to recognize that we know Marshall, or that knows Marshall. Right. Anyway, so yeah, cool. Good job, Marshall. He has a puppy. Um, 
this she sends us pictures of this big wheel the tires are shredded and falling off like, like you the can plastic literally is gone. see through like They're i hollow. sent the picture you could see the neighbor's house through the tire it's one of those ones where you could you it's a drifting one and when i first got it with the really wide rear tires yeah it's pink and every time we have boys over they're like oh, i gotta ride that that's my favorite one to ride and you get going on it it's got the big it's kind of a low rider sloped back and you get going fast and then you crank the tire and you drift on it and it is literally on its last shreds of wheels. So it'll be in the next dumpster run I make over to the office. But I kind of want to get, I really, I'll never buy one because I, it's just it's a so frivolous silly. purchase. <laughs> but I want one of the motorized drift trikes with the engine. Like the gasoline motor. They sell them at the local farmer's co-op They're down so here. They're so silly. And I'm like, oh my word, I want one so bad. I'll never buy one. But I really want one. So to replace the maybe big I can wheel, find them as a sponsor for too busy to flush. Right <laughs> to replace the big wheel, you guys. Since our kids are now getting big enough that really only Faith, she's not big enough for the big wheel, but she's the only one. Well, Elise still manages. The others are too big for it, and that's part of the shredding tire issue. But I, I was looking on Facebook Marketplace, and as a suggestion alternative for that, I got this thing. It's made by Razor brand, so the scooters. So it's got the the like roller skate wheels, um, and it's kind of a cross between like a plasma car and a big wheel. It's a trike, but the back wheels are on casters. So watching, I watched this adult try to drive one through an obstacle course, and it's you know like there are certain shopping carts. I'm trying to remember like Trader Joe's shopping carts, if I recall correctly. All four wheels pivot. Yeah, all four wheels complete are completely free, like a chair. Not you know not mostly one directional, but they'll turn. They're more like a chair where they'll turn anyway. You guys, the funny thing about this, it's called a Razor Flash 360 or something. It's got a handle, and we pull up the handle, it pushes down this little thing of flint or something and it shoots out sparks as you're going and the faster you go the more sparks shoot out and i was i'm looking this up and watching videos on youtube like what on earth obviously these people don't live in places with wildfire danger first of all but second of all holy cow Ooh. it has like a 90 or 100 pound weight limit so like fourth and fifth grade boys can zip around in our cul-de-sac shooting sparks out and there's this one video i saw on youtube where this kid's like it even smells like fireworks <laughs> well and so uh, i'm picking this up tonight off of facebook marketplace and razor makes that razor makes that battery powered xl for adults it's basically like a drift cart um and there's molly said there's one for sale in great falls which is about three hours away for 260 bucks again I'm not going to purchase it because it's a frivolous, ridiculous purchase. And it would take up way more space in the garage and than I am, all the stuff I, I buy. I'm really trying hard to limit my fun spending to things that I actually really care about or have some sort of lasting value. <laughs> also, I am pretty Somebody sure... Somebody does need to open up a drift trike uh, race course Go-court. membership. Go-kart I club. am fairly sure, given our track record with our kids, that one of them would crash it. Because they would be driving it before they were really able to. And they would crash it into something yes. like like a, one of our cars. So two years ago, Grandpa Jim bought the the kids' uh, kid go-karts, off-road buggies, motorized, gas-powered, off-road buggies, legit. 
uh, go-karts. And uh, Elise, who was five, promptly took hers out and rolled it. (laughs) And fortunately, I had insisted on buying netting to keep limbs in. So there was no damage. We bought, I went on uh, uh, Racer Direct and I bought legit five-point harnesses and bolted these five-point harnesses into the buggy so the kids can hardly move. But what's nice is they're, you know, because the ones that were in there were like pseudo five-point, but they were, you could never adjust them. They were super hard. And these are like legit racer seatbelts. So they're just so the kids have adjust. trouble getting in and out of them, but yeah. I feel a lot better because kids are not super cabin. trustworthy. Kids and motors are not are not necessarily my happy place sweet spot. Kids and I motors. love motors. I know, but I love kids all and things motors motorized. are not necessarily. I like a great things combo. that go sideways. We need more things oh, in the like world life. to go you sideways. You need life to go sideways. No, no, no. Life goes sideways on its own. Whether I mean, like fun, fun not. sideways. Like yes. Like those um, okay, so here's uh-huh. here's the thing that one of the two things I've been thinking about the most, making a not so smooth segue into more serious things. I some of you guys, most of you guys don't know because I don't think I've talked about it in a long time. I'm, I love following Humans of New York on Facebook, and he's probably in other places, but I follow him on Facebook, and he just has an incredible way of pulling stories out of people, and um, I don't know I don't know how he finds these people and how he connects with them, but the stories they tell are, some of them are crazy, and some of them are just really heartrending, and this last week he told a story in a series of pictures of it's a woman and her older brother and he is physically the brother is physically and mentally disabled like he has an arm that uh is disabled and his face is a little lopsided and as an example she the the woman when she was a little girl always wished for a dollhouse for christmas and he gave it to her like just a couple years ago they're Mm -hmm. like 60 year old adults and in his mind, he's giving her what she's always wanted. Uh, and she she starts out talking about how challenging it was with a brother who, um, who had these disabilities and mom um, was a was in the military and worked full time and um, it always just kind of talked about the accident, but didn't explain what happened until one day. Uh, something, some in, instigating incident made her sit them down and say, here's what happened. I hired an older woman to nanny you guys when I was working full-time on a base or something. And that woman had some sort of medical emergency or something and left her, left the two kids with her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend. And the the woman, the who was the baby girl, wouldn't stop crying and the boyfriend started beating her and the th- the boy who was three intervened and was trying to beat up this man who was hurting his little sister and the man injured the boy so badly that he was in a coma for several weeks and came out physically and mentally disabled for the rest of his life and um and then she the next it's a series of seven posts and pictures and the next one she talks about how her brother went into this depression on finding out that that's why he was disabled that it wasn't just how he was born but it was actually somebody did this to him 
and that somebody was in jail for like a year or something for it. And then he goes on and lives his life. And this man is disabled for the rest of his life and will never have a family and will never have a normal job and things like that. And and then you get to post six out of seven and it's talking to the man. His name's Gene. And I was kind of wrestling with just trying to process. He's like, I, I, I went through this period of being angry and then I started going to church and, uh, you know, I'd like to talk to God sometime. I'd, I'd like to ask God, do you love me? Do you love me no matter what? And do you understand, do you forgive me for the mistakes that I made and understand that I'm not able to, to do that? And maybe I'll ask God why he would let something happen to a, to a little kid like that. And, oh, I've forgiven the guy who hurt me, uh, you know, and I hope God forgives him too. And I was like, I, some, just some of the questions, the way he articulated them made me sad about his faulty theology, but all in all, it was kind of sweet. And then I got to post seven and the woman, like, look at even the angst on her face. She's like, oh, I don't forgive that guy. I know, I know his name. I've looked him up. He maybe doesn't have a great life. Like his Facebook profile is like him in a trailer park, but he's got smiling kids around him. He's lived a good life. And here he's left my brother. I'll never forgive him. And I hope God doesn't forgive him because, uh, she she says, I'm not forgiving him. My brother can forgive him, but not me. I hope God doesn't forgive him either. I hope he burns in hell. If the legal system forgives him, if Gene forgives him, if God forgives him, then what's left? Someplace in the universe has to hold him accountable because it happened. That monster attacked a little baby and my brother sacrificed himself to save my life. The least I can do is carry this anger. And so I'm still afflicted so that Jean is not the only one who still hurts from this. And I, oh, it made me think of a lot of things. But the first thing it made me think of is Miroslav Volf's book, Exclusion and Embrace, where Miroslav Volf, he's, he's very woke now. But he's a theologian, I don't know, Yale, Princeton. I don't think he's at Princeton. He's, but he's, he's originally from the Baltics. I can't remember. Croatia, maybe? Yes, I think he's Croatian. And he, he was part of, he survived a genocide and kind of cut his theological chops trying to process how to encourage a people some of whom are Muslim and some of whom are Christian. And so the Christians who confess the name of Christ, how they can break the cycle of violence of your tribe hurt my tribe. So now we retaliate and now we've created, there's just this vicious cycle that's never broken without forgiveness. And he makes the case in exclusion and embrace that forgiveness can only happen in the cross, in finding your identity, it's so ironic that he's now very pro Black Lives Matters and things like that. Because in this book, he's like, look, you you have to root your identity in Christ rather than your ethnic identity. Because if you're finding your identity and your security in your ethnicity, you're always going to need to perpetuate the cycle of violence to, per- to protect yourself and your own. And so you have to 
because of Jesus rooting your identity there, now you have something in common with this other that you can love. And so that's one of his points, which is extremely relevant for now, if you were to take what he wrote back when he wrote Exclusion of Race, not what he's writing nowadays about race. But um, but the other thing he says very clearly is you can't get past the incredible amount of evil being done to a, a people group unless you believe in hell. Because you have to hold on to the anger like this woman says like like somebody somebody has to hurt and seek justice and seek vengeance if i don't believe that there is hell and that evil is being paid for either in hell or because jesus experienced hell on behalf of people whom he has forgiven but somebody has to pay for evil mm-hmm. and the biblical answer for that is the doctrine of hell and i had just two days ago the same day that i finished i think i finished reading this this humans of new york series listened to an elisa childers podcast where she was talking about answering some questions people had about different aspects of progressive theology and one of her big ones was a red flag for you if you are wondering if your pastor or a teacher that you like is gone has gone progressive is minimizing or denying the doctrine of hell. And the whole movie uh, American Gospel Part 2 Christ Crucified is interviewing progressives who have left Christianity because of the doctrine of substitutionary atonement, which is that Jesus was punished for our sins, or they've left denying the doctrine of hell. So, like, Rob Bell would be the sort of poster child of this, that love wins. There's no, there's no, just forget all this horrible stuff, despite the fact that Jesus talks about hell more than he talks about almost anything else. Uh, and, And so she's just talking about, she again reiterated, in order to have... A Christian life that's full of love, of forgiveness, and of hope, you have to believe that justice exists in the world. And if you look at the world as it presently exists, there's a lot of non-justice taking place. And so you have to believe that there is a just God who will execute justice, if not in this life, then in the life to come. And as a believer... We can take great comfort in the fact that not having justice done to us. I remember, I remember hearing years ago at a at a, a conference talk. It might have been. Did John Piper speak for a peacemaker conference once? I think he might have when we met, when we were in Minneapolis. I remember him here. I remember hearing him say this phrase. He said, "Evil and sin, the wrong." that was committed against you has been either paid for by the cross, by Christ, or paid for in hell. Yeah. It's one of the two. Mm-hmm. It's been paid. The, all the injustice we see in the world has been paid for. Mm-hmm. What does that leave us to do, though? That leaves us to do our best to 
rectify and, you know. Yeah. And so I, I guess my takeaway from this, just aside from being really sad that this kind of sweet series on Humans of New York ended in this note of bitterness, because this woman feels like justice is up to her and she's not doing vigilante justice. She's carrying Mm. it in her heart. Um, And the conviction to me of where am I assuming the prerogative of God and not trusting his infinite, sovereign, eternal plan that doesn't, that isn't short-sighted like my own understanding of justice and can, can, can I and do I trust that when I perceive that wrongs are being done to me, that that either the etern- even little wrongs have are of eternal consequence because mm-hmm. even for those little wrongs, Jesus had to die for those because the sin against a holy God, even a small sin against an infinitely holy God, is of infinite value, and so or of infinite terribleness, I guess. And do I do I understand the gravity of my own sin when I commit injustice against other people that the the cost of that, but then am I willing to trust God to be just in his way, which is better than my way, and to encourage other people to trust God with justice, but then to pursue justice here on earth right because because we're reflecting the holy character of God, who is perfectly just. Such a conversation right now. I started reading Vadi Bakum's fault, line, fault lines, Vodi Bakum's fault lines last night, and wow! He kept reading wow. bits of this. This is this such a funny. I can't role really put it down because it's, it's, I'm uh, I'm usually the one who's reading like heavy stuff in bed, and you're like, stop talking to me about this, and I'm like, but this is really interesting. Yeah. I have to say something. And last night you were like, wait, I'm just going to read this more to you, and I was like, I uh, just want to go. I mean, <laughs> I I agree with him, but it's just it's again, it's it's just a reminder that so much of the discussion around justice does not include Christ. The conversation doesn't include Christ. Mm-hmm. And as an evangelical in particular, when you're not including Christ in the conversation, you're not doing it right. You're missing it. Um, you know, the solutions we're finding are all world worldly solutions that have no, uh, you know, there's no hope. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no fixing of it. And mm-hmm. I, the world is certainly broken. And there's no, yeah, like you said, there's no fixing of it. Voting. We have certain problems. We have things that we can rectify. But um, at the end of the day, the conversations are happening without Christ. That's the true solution to all the brokenness in the world. And I would still argue, after all the research and everything else, that the, that racism and you know prejudice and prejudging people on a skin color or whatever they're probably it's just one of many faults of humanity that's just it kind of feels like to me that's just the flavor of the month right now it's you not know. necessarily the flavor of the month I, it's an age-old thing if you yeah. if you look through the bible yeah but i mean it's the hot topic today you know? right it's it's the lens through which we view all other problems of the world right. well not actually let me take that back it's it's not just race, it's intersectionality. So if you guys are not familiar with the term intersectionality, I know Ali Stuckey is controversial and there are some people where I say her name and 
their eyes get this like look in them of anger because <laughs> she's so opinionated and can't wait till she, people think about us like that. I right. Um, but but she. I mean, it's been a long time now, but I can try to dig it up for Jr. to include in the show notes. But um, you can write it on here, and I can give it to you. I, I have already, okay. I'm keeping it keeping it All right. Um, but she has she has one explaining that it that intersectionality is is categorizing people in these Marxist categories of oppressed and oppressor. But if you get intersectionality, if you get oppressed points, it's not just about race now, but that's why feminism and LGBTQ and all of these other categories all fit together. So Black Lives Matter is not just about black lives. It's about uh, trans lives and... You know, feminist lives, right. except when the feminists are trans erasing because. Just like whiteness actually has nothing to do with your color. It has everything yes. to do with the dominant power society. Yes. You know, the controlling. Yeah. yeah. So you can. Which be, today is white. I, I've, tomorrow I've been following black, on Instagram this gay black guy who doesn't get any. He's conservative politically. He doesn't get any oppressed points because he is conservative. So that, mm-hmm. that nixes being nixes black everything. and being gay. Yeah, I. Um, anyway, but so, so that, right. The intersectionality, where was I going with that? The way we need to view the world is through the lens of a Christological and a harmatological lens what? with, with a, with a, an appropriate view of Christ and an appropriate view of the fallenness of the world. Oh, I thought you were just throwing words out, fancy words out there for no. a minute. Understanding sin. That, that's a fancy word for sin. Yes. Understanding but when I'm using when I use the word Christology, I figured I might as well use the other one too and just make a movement. Right. You know, if you're going to use all theological terms, use all theological terms. But my point is, uh, a, a, having a holistic view of the world through Christ and understanding what sin is and how it's affected the world and the human heart—that's the lens we should be looking at it. And the Bible speaks to that 100. Um, kind of like, are, and this might alienate people too. There, I like alienating people. <laughs> There, I mean, there is there is something to be learned, I think, from sociology, from history, from oh, for anthropology, sure. yes. from all of these other things. Like in counseling, I think that if somebody is depressed or having delusions or hallucinations, you can't just throw a Bible at them and be like, the Bible's all you need. Right. You know, if, if they can't even function well if their brain can't process information you want them to process medication might be super helpful to help them process life from a scriptural lens so when we say sola scriptura that that the bible is sufficient for all of life we're not saying that the rest of sciences and things like that are not helpful to help us understand the world just like you know, the Bible does not give us a clear understanding of the fossil record. The Bible doesn't contradict the fossil record, but the Bible, you know, but the Bible also doesn't give us such a full understanding that Christians in good faith can't disagree with what the fossil record means in terms of how God created the world. Christians of good faith can disagree with the interplay between secular counseling, insights, and medication and how you point someone to Christ as their hope in the midst of mm-hmm. depression or in the midst of 
you know, manic episodes or whatever they're struggling with. Likewise, I think we can learn things from the rest of the world. The problem is, in my opinion, where Vodi is pointing out the the rest of the world right now and a lot of Christians who are wanting to listen and learn from the rest of the world, the rest of the world is starting from a fundamentally anti-God posture. Owen Strain had a, had a long post on Instagram the other day. He was like, look, Marxism is not competing for equal ground with Christianity in America right now. It is a take-no-prisoners, destroy-the-Christian-world-view approach to life. Like, that by its very nature it is. And you see that religion is the opiate of the masses. You know, from its very inception, Marxism cannot coexist happily with Christianity. It's seeking to destroy it. And you have to approach these other ways of understanding the world with... We're not we're not standing on neutral ground. We are we are inviting into our churches in in the name of understanding and listening and loving our bipod you know right. you know, our colored brothers. I mean, when and people sisters. start when people start talking about race and they start wanting to talk about justice, take them straight to sin. Take them straight to well, not to just to sin, Christ. Like, Take them straight to to definitions too. Definitions. Define justice. Define what they mean define by justice. Define oppressed. Define right. systemic oppression. Because I, George Yancey, was the name that and fight I was the battle. To think of fight in the, the battle the with fight the battle with scripture and theology, and not on not on their ground. And because you're not going to win, you can't win. Yeah. Unless you agree with them. So George Yancey. Oh, I, I I think it's helpful. His Some of his stuff that I read earlier this week, like he points out that there does seem to be systemic racism built into particularly, he used two examples, the only one I can think of right now, is in prison sentencing, where it's not like black people are, you know, a judge is looking at a black person and a white person and giving the black person a harsher sentence, but but there are crimes that tend to happen, particularly drug-related crimes, with the types of drugs that are in a white community versus a black community, where the drugs are equally bad, and the drug that predominantly is used in the black community gets worse sentencing by like official regulatory guidelines. And so he's like, here's an example where the way the loss, the legal system is set up, it, it disproportionately affects black people. And he he says it in such a way that he's like he's not he's not buying into you know when the founding fathers said you know all people are created equal by God and have you know rights to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that was inherently flawed rather than we read that and say that was a a common grace, good understanding of the world and Christian for those of the founding fathers who were Christian. But the the application of it and the living out of that was for sure flawed in the fact that we're going to say that all people are created by their creator with equal rights, and then we're going to enlist slavery for the next hundred plus years. Like th- That's bad application of something that's not consistent with the founding documents of our country. So to say America is inherently racist, let's burn all of America down, is a misunderstanding of the founding of America. 
anyway, so he he's he well, believes, the, <laughs> he believes that, but he w- yeah. he does point out specific fact based instances, and I think that for those of us who struggle with the narrative that you know every every time a black person gets killed by police, it's a racist incident, and want to push back on that narrative. I think that to say, look, I agree. On, and these specific instances, there does seem to be need to be be a need for correctives in our law because it is disproportionately affecting the black community. Unfortunately, then in other things like you know this isn't in you know this isn't our government institution. But I was reading I was reading somewhere about the redlining, uh, you know, bankers or underwriters redlining certain housing districts because they tend to be predominantly low income and which are they're predominantly black so now they can't get home loans and a few other things and so i mean there's there's issues like that that can be addressed too i don't know how you fix that i don't know how you fix it it should be addressed though because and i think that as christians who care about dialogue and loving our disadvantaged neighbors well i think that to find points like that and emphasize them and you know, pursue whatever means God puts in front of us to remedy it. Like, unfortunately, Mike Rowe did not get his returning the favor uh, show renewed with Facebook. Imagine that. Yeah, Facebook canceled it. Not super surprising. He's now back to doing dirty jobs on, like, Discovery Network or something. But he, you know, he would highlight things like people doing community gardens in food deserts. You know, it's somebody who's tangibly making a difference in a place where these people literally don't have access to good grocery stores. And so um, I think that celebrating and supporting inif- initiatives like that. It's so really hard because you. serving, serving, doing what you can to support underprivileged communities, I always struggle with how, how far do I go? How far do I go? Because if I really wanted to give them everything, I would let them live in my house. I would pay for their life and everything else. But is that, is that that's really, not actually is that really helpful? That's not really helpful. Any, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's kind of that feels that feels wrong. And sometimes I can't put my finger on why certain things feel wrong. But I mean, it's just it's funny because at least with when it comes to these conversations on justice, at least with critical theories, there's always there's always going to be a dominant society. Right. That's the it's nature just, it's, like, it's of... just the nature of it. It just it feeds on itself. And you never you never get out of it and you never win. And on the other hand, I feel like the greatest message we can tell people, you know, when it comes to justice is everything we were just talking about earlier in the in the episode. You know, what the ultimate ju- Christ paid for the ultimate justice mm-hmm. for those that believe in him and the rest the rest he he brings justice to as well. By there is a legal system that is higher than the American legal system and that is infinitely more just than the American legal system. And so even when we don't see justice in our laws and in our judicial processes, we, even though it's incredibly painful and hard here on earth, we can trust that justice will be accomplished and in in the grand scheme of things, it it will be a, the the period of injustice will be a blink in the eye. Yep. Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, <sighs> but so you're talking about 
just, you know, there's always going to be an oppressor. Nah. And in my Bible reading plan, I'm, I just finished Ezekiel a few days ago. So I've now gone through judges and the people, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And then God sends an oppressor to oppress them <laughs> because as judgment for them. And then not that every time you're oppressed, it's judgment on you. Right. But in the, in the old Testament, the, you know, there's the Kings are mm-hmm. bad and somebody comes in and conquers them. And then, you know, they're, they're dominant for a while and they're jerks to their neighbors. And God told them to be kind to the sojourners among them. And so they, then they're, they're, they get bad again, and they're oppressed. And now, in the, in the prophets, they're they're in exile. And in the the book of Ezekiel, um, I I've you know the la- I was struggled through. Ezekiel is so weird. It is just like the spinning wanna- wheels with the faces and the angels, and I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's so weird. I had to look up a couple commentaries just to keep going, because I was like, I don't even know. Like, chapter after chapter, I don't even know what to make of this. But at the end, I did know what to make of it, because he starts talking about, the, Ezekiel has this vision of being at the temple, and there's this trickle of water coming out of it. And then the trickle of water, the further, and again, in in God's incredibly weird way of doing prophecy, like, now measure a hundred cubits here, and then a measure, like, so he goes exactly a little bit more, and then the water's, like, knee deep. And then he goes a little bit more, and the water's chest deep. And then pretty soon, the further out he goes, the water is so deep, he can't even swim across it. And the fascinating thing about it is it's fresh water coming out of the temple. And when it meets the salt water, it turns the salt water fresh, which we all know doesn't happen, right? right. There's these, when we studied uh, coastlands last year with the kids' school, this as far inland as the salt water can come in a river at the delta, it ruins that water. Like there's old, there's certain types of life of plants and fish that have adapted to be able to live in this weird mixture of salt and fresh water. But you can't drink it, and you can't use it as fresh water. If you even get a smidge of salt water in fresh water, it ruins it. And yet, the fresh water goes out, and then, you know, there's plants growing on either side, and like in the book of Revelation, and hearkening back to the Garden of Eden, the plants are for the healing of the nations, and they're fruitful all year round. So there's this constant, abundant, fruitful healing power coming out of the temple. And then I just, the, like, the way Ezekiel ends, it's like, and God is there with them. Essentially, I can't remember the exact words. <laughs> and it's just, you know, for a people who have been so let go by God to have this incredibly healing thing, and at the end, like, God is always going, God is never going to not be with you again. And um, I can't remember how many episodes ago. I was, I, I remember talking not too long ago about Ed Welch and this holiness, sinfulness, and clean, unclean spectrum. And when I was in seminary, Ed Welch talked about how all through the Old Testament, if you touch something that is unclean, it makes you unclean uncleanness, not unlike a coronavirus, spreads and contaminates what it touches. It doesn't go the other way. Like, you can't take something that's clean 
and touch it to something that's unclean and the unclean thing becomes clean. Like you can't take mix fresh water and salt water and get and and get fresh water. You get diluted salt water that's not good for watering plants mm-hmm. and drinking every single time. Every single time anything that's unclean in the Old Testament touches something clean, it spreads the uncleanness. And then you get to Jesus who goes around touching lepers, touching women who are bleeding, Ooh. touching dead people, and all of a sudden the holiness the cleanness is the thing that's contagious and that's spreading and that's catching. And likewise, the promise of the end of Ezekiel is the fresh water, the pure, the life-giving, is what's going to be contagious and catching ultimately. In this final, just, God is with us, God has righted every wrong, experience of His kingdom, holiness, righteousness, pureness, is what catches. And um, first of all, it was inspiring and fun to be just catching that. You know, in the world we live in, we just need every reminder we can get, right? That oh, that God wins. <laughs> and that What is it the kids watch? The kids watch World, uh, world Magazine's World Watch like almost every day. And what is it the Big Bash says at the end? Whatever the news. God is still on the throne. The purpose of the Lord will stand. The purpose of the Lord will stand. Whatever the news, the purpose of the Lord will stand. And I, I love, I just love that reminder because even I will frequently read my two news sources, which, you know, are, are Victor Marx's Daily Intelligence Brief and World's uh, The Sift, World Magazine's The Sift. Those are my two primary news sources. I, I feel like for the most part, I can get everything I need to know about from those two sources. And they, they tend to complement each other because World will report on something um, and then Daily, Intelligent Brie- Daily Intelligence Brief will report on something but maybe come at it mm-hmm. from a different angle. They never they never conflict with each other. They support mm-hmm. each other. So it's, it's, that's been really nice. So, But I'll walk away and be like, the world's... What a terrible the place. World's, it, we're, it's ending. It's just going... It's This is... Wow. You know, and then you read, and then you spend your time reading Ezekiel, and you're like, mm, "I have a lot of hope for humanity." Not <laughs> right for most of Ezekiel, or, or the or the Israelites in the Old Testament. They had God right there in front of them, and they still messed it up. And we don't have God, you know, literally I mean, in front of us at this point in our lives. Then we still like it's like right, but actually that I would flip that on its head. They had God in the temple, but even in the book of Ezekiel, he's like I can't remember what the God is emphasizing. My holiness is a threat to you. You are so unclean. Mm. You can't come near the temple. You can't. It was something like um, they, they 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 can't even use the same bowls that the priests use. Yeah. Lest my holiness touch them, sort of thing. And well, Moses would come down from yeah. the mountain and have and then, to cover like, his face. When they did, when Aaron's, when they uh, consecrated Aaron's robes, they threw all sorts of blood and sacrificial stuff yes, all over so them. Gross. And then they didn't wash it. They hung it up, and like that's the robe he wore. Like you don't. Yeah. That's that is that is clean and holy. This right. Is, wait, what? It was wild. But but so they, you know. G- in Ezekiel, God says, you have hearts of stone, 
but when my spirit comes, I will turn your hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. And so even though they had not after the temple was destroyed, but before the temple was destroyed, they had God present with them, but Mm -hmm. His holiness was such a danger to them, they couldn't get close enough for it to change their hearts. And And now we have His holiness and His Spirit, who is God Himself, inside of our hearts, actually changing our hearts to be able to obey. So, even though they had the pillar and all of these things, the pillar of light and these crazy, you know, Jericho, like, the things they saw God do, (laughs) striking people dead for touching the ark, you know, they didn't, they still didn't have God close enough to them to change their hearts. And we, though we no longer can see God, we have him in our hearts and we have a tremendous, you know, when Jesus says, you you don't want me always with you to his disciples, it's actually better for you that I go away because you're going to get something better. And that's the Holy Spirit in your hearts. And so, I think that we need to be reminded Remind that, that um, sure. you know, even though we can't see God, we actually have a tremendous advantage over any other era of biblical history. Because, first of all, we now have complete revelation in Scripture. We know the entire story. We know how all these crazy promises that he makes in the Old Testament were fulfilled, and we don't know what the end times will look like, but we know how the story ends, because we have the book of Revelation now tying all of the loose ends together, and, you know, after I finished the book of Ezekiel, I was like, I'm going to flip through and see how a couple of other prophetic books end, because, like, some of them are just kind of like, you know, it just ends, and you're like, okay, okay, like, Lamentations, (laughs) it's like... I I mean, God's still there. He's still working, but it's not quite this, like, boom that Ezekiel yeah. had. But, the, of course, Revelation is, like, the ultimate and, like, he, he who says these things is coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And so that gives us not only the end of the story, but the posture to be in until we reach the end of the story. Oh, it's all the good reminder. Um yeah, I like it. We're preaching to ourselves here, you guys, because we've been in a discouraged, <laughs> moderately angry slump for the oh, last few days. Oh, big time. Um, big before time. you read stuff, yeah. I have a really funny story to uh-huh. tell you. Um, so, we I babysat Addie's girls, who are eight and six, same age as Lily and Elise, the other day, so she could clean her house and move. And I deliberately did not tell her this story when she came to pick them up, because she listens to our podcast and she can hear it here. Um, <laughs> but... Her older daughter was kind of tired of playing with our kids. They they don't know each other well. And even though we're trying to help them get to be friends, because we're friends and we want our kids to be friends. There's no magical they're dynamic not, connection. They're not there yet. And her older daughter kind of was tired of playing the way my girls were playing. And so she's hanging out inside and kind of out of the blue as I'm making dinner. She's like, what's your favorite thing to cook? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've ever had anyone, let alone an eight-year-old girl, ask me that question before. <laughs> so I kind of started rattling off. Well, I really like to bake bread, and I like to make treats for my kids, and I like to grill stuff. And I was like, "What's your favorite food?" And she goes, "What do you mean by favorite food?" And I was like, "Your favorite food?" And she goes, "Well, I mean, do you mean like restaurant food or food my mom cooks? Do you mean..." 
like winter food or summer food? Whoa, and this I was girl like, thinks about food. <laughs> I was like, I feel like even if you're not going to be a kindred spirit with my daughters, like you and I could connect because <laughs> it's true. Winter food and summer food are totally different. And favorite food in a restaurant is very different than favorite food that you eat at home. And even autumn I food... I haven't thought that deeply. Autumn food is different than summer food. Like, think we, we eat like crazy from the garden in the summer, in mm-hmm. the autumn. But what we get out of the garden and the way we cook it is different. Yeah. Anyway, I just... Addie, That's a funny story. Your, your daughter is... Um, you're training her well. Okay, we've mentioned Addie. We've mentioned Ty. Who else have we mentioned? Let's mention Devin. Devin writes in... Uh, fills out a postcard. He loves our music. Uh, that is some stock... And I... I'm honored that you felt like I wrote that song. Um, I do love that style, which is why I picked it out. Kind of that synth wave, uh, synth wave boogie jam, new wave stuff. Um, no, it's stock music from a site I use called Soundstripe. Uh, but he said, uh, great pick. My wife and I live in Oklahoma and we have four kids, one, four, five, and eight. Needless to say, y'all's conversations are on point and remind us to one, not take ourselves too seriously. Two, pursue unity via regular discussions. And three, to keep reading, thinking, learning, etc. Sometimes we're so exhausted. Netflix feels like all we can bring ourselves to do after all the kids are down. But investing in the marriage and thus family cannot be done simply with a nightly Netflix routine. Way to pursue your wife and be involved in your kid's brother. Thank you. And you're, you're right on. Those are three very uh, things that we have to remind ourselves. We have to remind ourselves of regularly mm-hmm. between molly and i and i'm props for even making it to netflix <laughs> sometimes it's sometimes Scrolling i can't Instagram. even i can't even make it that far uh and then um we have uh we have anna and Marin, double name it's a southern thing from virginia she heard our podcast of the world and everything in it and her dad said he'd been enjoying us enjoying it as well so she started listening to us thank you for listening they're also homeschooling family with three little kids, seven, four, and two, and it's extra fun hearing those details of our life. You and me, Molly. I'm looking forward to catching up on past weeks and hearing what drops next. Thank you for the thought-provoking conversations you and Molly share with us. I appreciate the openness, the thoughtfulness, and the Christ-centeredness. And y'all are just so real. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so that um, was a couple of things. we had. I did swap uh, a lot of texts with uh scott student ministry pastor in michigan we talked a lot about hunting he said he heard me talk about processing my elk and he's like who what who elk funny so we started swapping hunting stories um and uh finally to wrap up the emoji thing uh they were all over the map we had a ton of submissions um a lot of we we get tend to get more messages on instagram than we do anywhere else and we just had more they're all over the map, and and but the one common, take a guess at the one common emoji between everybody, or most people, the most common emoji. Oh, that came I up. wasn't paying attention enough to. I mean, the poop emoji. The poop emoji. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the emojis Hilarious. that came up, the other interesting common emoji is one that I have never even had a passing interest in using, and it's more of a collection of emojis. Is the monkey? Yeah. The monkey uh-huh. people the monkey use the monkey over the or over yeah. the ears. Uh-huh. I I never even like I, I I've never even had a passing thought to use the monkey. Oh, it just yeah, doesn't even occur to me. I have a couple people who send me those. So that's that's kind of funny. So mm-hmm. the monkey, the poop emoji. Well done, guys. It's appropriate for our show. Too busy to flush. Uh, and that's all. I that's all I got. Do you have anything else, babe? 
No, that's all I got. No. I feel like I talked a lot just now. Well, you so talk done. a lot every show. That's true. It's the most we. It's the. Although I think we might have a date night on Sunday, so otherwise it's the most conversation we have all week. Sometimes it reminds us that we have real brains too. Because when we go to bed, and we like we have the spare minute, we try to have sex, and we don't talk much during that. <laughs> I'm really done now. Uh, yes, this um, is a reminder, men, husbands, poop emoji, pursue your wives. It does facilitate a nice, wonderful connection. Kind of renews the marriage a little bit. It's good times. I, I mean, I have lots I can say on that. Yeah, actually, we should we should but, do that sometime. No, I mean, I'm episode. I'm working on a document for Kinovox right now that's on that topic. And one of the things that we have talked about, including in the document, is that that having sex is both a thermostat and a thermometer Love of it. your relationship. The thermometer being, you know, if you have a healthy relationship in general, you're probably pursuing each other for physical intimacy and communicating well about it and problem solving because problems at every stage of for life. A dude, seem problems to arise. disappear afterwards. You're like, I ain't got any. No, problems. no, 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 no. No. <laughs> For a dude, if your wife has a problem in bed, you have a problem too. And if your wife has a problem getting to the marriage bed with you, that's your problem too. And you need to own it and not blame her. So let's... Anyway, but it's also a thermostat because it indicates how well your relationship is doing, but it can also turn turn the heat up and warm things up relationally by showing sacrificial, generous... Love for somebody physically. Kind of that breaking down walls, Barry. Okay, let's save this conversation for a future episode. That's all I got. I mean, for now. That's all no, I was going to say. Okay. Let's... We got... You could talk for a whole episode on that, though. Probably. Probably. So, uh, that said, thanks for listening. We have a swag shop. Um, you can uh, scroll through there and buy people in weird and hard t-shirts, mugs. Uh, I got I'm a, wearing mine right now because I'm a, living this. I love it. Uh, you can, I have a new five panel, uh, two bees and a flush hat that we put up. You can also scroll a little bit farther down on the page and we have a list of recommended things. And I just updated that, uh, last week, two weeks ago. Uh, and it's got Amazon links to, I know we hate supporting Amazon, but sometimes it's just easier and we can all be it's a universal. Bit lazy. It's universal. Yeah. Sorry guys. I know. I feel like sometimes I'm duplicitous because I'm like, I'm not gonna support Amazon, and then I'm like, click my Amazon link. You know, it's like. Eh, but you can you also know. go buy the books from somewhere else. Yeah, you can shop at your. But anyway, so we have a list of recommended things that we like and that we use, and um, including a urinal. I left the urinal up there because it's funny. Um, that said, you can follow us on Instagram, tb uh, too busy to flush or tb 2 fcom uh, on our website we've got all the links to stuff there you can send us an email at tb2f at pm.me you can send me a text at 406-318-7136 you can also message us on the instagrams and stuff so uh or you can send us a link uh message through via the postcard feature on our website molly said the other day that we have too many places that people can message us and i don't really care i think it's kind of fun i just have trouble keeping track of them and only paul uh, i brought paul up again only paul made a mention about us starting a telegram channel Hilarious. so uh, i think maybe it's a user base like who's actually using telegram versus mm-hmm. you know who our audience base is so anyway anyway that's all i got you guys thanks for joining us and anything left babe nope that's it nope all right have a great week guys